Well, ladies, I am so glad that you guys are in here today. And let's just start. We're going to talk about women's ministries today. And, you know, women's ministry has been a part of church life for generations. I can remember my mom going to things. I can remember my grandmother going to things. And I can remember my grandma telling about how she went to things with her mother and a little tiny country church in Virginia. But let me ask you, when you think of women's ministries, what are some of the things that you think of? Now listen, oh, maybe I shouldn't have started this yet. It's all right. They'll edit this part out. Edit this part out, please. They'll edit this part out. But let's just be honest with each other real quick. What are some things that we think of when we think of women's ministries? Because some of them have, like, are great things, right? But there are some that, <clears throat> excuse me, might have negative undertones. <coughs> so go ahead. Tell me. What are some things? <coughs> Fundraising. Fundraising. Okay. Eating together. Eating together, yeah. Bible Spaghetti studies. dinners. Bible studies. What else? Retreats. Celebrations. <clears throat> Celebrations. For some reason, doilies come in my mind. What'd you say? <clears throat> knitting groups, right? Doilies, knitting groups. What are some, and those are some of the ones that kind of have like those negative undertones that if you said women's ministries to some younger women, they might be like, yeah, I don't sew. But you didn't say anything about sewing, right? <laughs> right? But they might, they might come back that way. What are some other ones? Connection. Connection. Yeah. Raising yeah. money for missions. Raising money for missions. Mentoring. Mentoring. Let's talk about raising money for missions real quick. I mean, we see VGMC, which praise the Lord for that. Light the way. Praise the Lord for that. Who's the one that's giving the money? Mamas. <laughs> Mamas. We know how to raise money for missions, right? Yeah. And when we have something that we want to get behind, we're able to give to that as well. So there's so many amazing things and so many hats that have been called women's ministries. And let's be honest, women, all of these things are so useful to us, are so useful to the church, to missions, but... I, I'll tell you that when I hear all the different things, no matter what it is, even if it is a knitting group, I get so excited when I hear about women coming together and just having that, and some people don't like to call it this anymore, but I'm going to call it what it is, that sisterhood. You know, there is so, there's so much power in that sisterhood. But I want to take a minute and just define what women's ministry is. So if you're taking notes, get ready, okay? Because I'm about to blow your mind with this. Because when we know and we understand what women's ministry is, <laughs> it's gone. When we know and understand what women's ministry is, it will help us to understand our end goal, okay? So we'll know where we're going. So get ready, get your pens ready. Women's ministries can be defined as ministering to women. Mind-blowing, right? All of your minds are blown. I know, I know. My mind was blown, too. The truth is that we are in a time in our world that this isn't just a want. This is a need 
We need to be ministering to women. We need women who are willing to take the time, the energy, to build relationships with other women while building their relationship with Jesus. And let me tell you what happens. As women fully embrace life with Christ, there are many things that happen. There's a shift that begins to happen. We will see women free from, from bondage. We'll be able to see them walking and worshiping in freedom. We'll see families changed. We'll see churches changed. We're going to see the next generation changed. Workplaces, communities changed. So when I say to you today that what we do is incredibly important, I mean that from the depths of my heart. What we do is incredibly important. So today, I'd like for us to look at ministry to women from four different lenses. Why, who, what, and how. So it's like we're going back to elementary school, right? Why, who, what, and how. And I'll break these down in different ways, but let's start with the first one of why. Why is ministry to women important? I am not a numbers person. God bless, you know, the finance people at the OMN, because I am not a numbers person. But I heard some stats recently that just shook me. And it is that women make up, in the U.S. today, we make up 43% of the church. 43%. Men make up 33%. Boys make up 14%. And girls make up 15%. So when you put women's ministries and girls' ministries together, we're talking about 58% of the church. That is a big number. That is a big number. And if we do not minister to them, what, what a shame. What a shame. What a disservice we would have if we did not. Here's the reality. Women, we are made for relationships. God created us for relationships. You know, God created the entire world. He made all the animals. He made everything, and he made Adam. And then he looked at it, and he said, it is not good for man to be alone. <laughs> so he created Eve. She was created to be in relationship with God the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, but also to be in relationship with Adam. We were created for relationships. And as daughters of Eve, it's the same for us. Nothing is different. We were created for this. And when we isolate, though, we, don't, we stop cultivating relationships with other women. Our adversary gets us right where he wants us to be. And when that happens, when we're all alone, he begins to just throw those lies. He begins to throw doubt He'll throw anything he can to see what will stick to destroy you. What will you allow to stick? 
But when we're in relationship with one another, we can look at these things. And I don't know, but I've been in a relationship one time. I was going through something, and I said to, had spoke what was really going on in my mind to a dear friend of mine who is a godly woman. And I told her what I was thinking, and she stopped me mid-sentence, and she said, stop now. She said, that's a lie, straight from the pit of hell. So tell it to go back to where it belongs and replace it with the truth. And I kind of chuckled at her. And she goes, oh, no, no, I'm not playing. Right now, what's the truth? What's the truth that's going to replace that lie? And I had to. She wasn't letting me leave until I replaced that lie with the truth. But in that moment, that godly woman taught me something powerful that I've, I've been able to still use today. So go ahead, look at your neighbor and tell them, girl, we were made for this. <laughs> That's right. We were made to be in relationship with Jesus, and we were made to be in relationship with other women. Because let's be honest, we get each other, right? There are some things that I like to talk to my husband about, but there are some things that I do not need to be talking to my husband about. I need a sister to be like, hold up, wait a minute, we need to talk about this, okay? Because if I went to my husband with, about it, he'd probably be like, all right, so am I to fix this or not fix this? Which way am I supposed to go with this? Or you really need to just build a bridge and get over it. And that's usually not what I want to hear in that moment, right? <laughs> the last point I want to bring up about why ministry to women is so important to the church is vital for us to understand and know. See, back in the day, extended family members and neighbors, they were always there for each other. They did life together, and it was necessary for them to be a part of everyday life together, right? And I can remember my mamaw telling me stories of that. But the women then had a sense of belonging, of, of community, of we're in this together, which naturally would allow ministry to come out of. They would call each other on things. They would lift each other up, and they supported one another. And as our society evolved from that time, and let's be honest, technology came to play a whole lot more. Studies have shown that our nations have splintered into increasingly smaller, sharper, defined, and diverse segments. We're transient now. Before, where you grew up is where you raised your children. It was generational. But now we're more transient. We're self-reliant, or maybe I should say more Google-reliant, right? If you don't know it, you're usually not calling your mama, calling your aunts, calling your neighbor. You're like, okay, Google, tell me what's up, right? But the result of that, again, is isolation. It's isolation. And many of the women that walk into our churches, you know, everything might look okay. She might have it all together. Her hair might be on point. The makeup might just be perfect. Her outfit might be, you know, straight out of the magazine. But deep down, a lot of our women are crumbling. They're carrying hurts, addictions, 
physical issues, marriage problems, divorce, domestic violence or abuse, eating disorders, emotional issues, fertility issues, poverty, anxiety, overwhelming responsibilities, sexual issues, depression, suicidal thoughts or even attempts. I mean, the list can go on and on and on on what they're carrying with them behind the facade. And sometimes it's right in our face. Sometimes they don't even have a facade on, but they're coming in with so many hurts and some women are dealing with more than one that's on this list. But despite the length of this list, the women who are coming into our churches are looking for relief and hope. They're looking for relief and hope. They long for deep relationships. They long for spiritual support. Even if they can't put that into words, that is the deep longing that they have. They want people to help them to withstand the stressors of just everyday life. It's like, I just want to go back to those back in then days, right? Sometimes I think about that and think, man, how cool would that be? But now it's the kind of society that we call it, my husband and I call it the garage door people, right? Where they pull their garage into the garage door put the garage down before they even get out of their car. And so it's like you don't even see them, you know? But I want to have a group of women around me that we can pour into each other, that we can encourage one another. And that's the importance of ministering to women. See, the church must offer a place where women can experience hope, they can experience healing, and the best way to foster this in your churches is for women to minister to women. There may be instances where women will open up to a male pastor or what have you, but it is more likely to happen if a woman is ministering to a woman. I mean, think about it. I would about, I mean, you don't even have to tell me this, but think about yourself. I'm more apt to sit down with a sister and just say, gosh, listen to this, you know, than I am to sit down with a, a, a male pastor and say, gosh, listen to this. Because let's remember, we get each other. We get each other. A healthy ministry to women will do four things. And make sure you write these down. One, feed the healthy. Two, strengthen the young and the weak. Women mentoring women. Women mentoring girls. Three, healing and binding up the injured. And four, search and care for the lost. So when you're looking at your women's ministries, look at the things that you're doing. And are you hitting these four? If not, you look at them and say, okay, yep, we're doing this one. We're doing this one well. But you know what? We need to be working here a little bit more. It'll give you a guideline as to some things that maybe you need to begin to look at 
as a whole as you're building a team or as you're talking with your women's team. Let's look at who should minister to women, the who. Let's begin with the church, right? The church. God establishes his church to offer hope to the world and to be his hands and feet and mouthpiece and the women on the mission trip heard me saying that over and over again. We get to be his hands, his feet, and his mouthpiece. We get to do this. Pastor Bill Heibold says, the hope of the world is not government, it's not academia, business, but the church, because it is the church that God has entrusted the message of salvation, which truly changes people's lives and hearts. It's the church as a whole who is responsible to minister to women. But within the church, God is calling women to gather and lead other women to Jesus. But sometimes we may begin to doubt, am I that person? Am I able to do this? Am I qualified to lead? And I am here to tell you that you can be an effective leader in ministering to women if you live out one simple truth. Be connected to Jesus. Be connected to Jesus. Genuine spiritual leadership can flow through our lives only as we are completely connected to Jesus. We must be women of his presence who inspire and lead other women to be women of his presence. Staying connected to Jesus is the most important pursuit in all of our lives, especially for spiritual leaders. John 15, 5 says, I am the vine. I know we've all heard this one, right? I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing. He is the only way for us to have a fruitful life and ministry. So how do we live this out? How do we live this out? And I'm going to give you five things real quick. I know it sounds like a lot, but I promise it's not. One, we prioritize alone time with God every single day. It's not the day, the time of day that's important. You might be a morning person and say, hey, 5 a.m., I'm with Jesus. You might be a night person and say, you know what, 10, 11 o'clock at night, and if you're an early bird, 9 o'clock at night, that's my time with Jesus. But let me tell you, if you're a mama, let me encourage you. Make some of your time with Jesus during the time of day that your children see you doing that. So that way you are modeling for them what you want them to do. Okay, so make sure they're seeing you. Sometimes I might have my time with Jesus in the morning, but I'll make sure I tell them, hey, guys, you are not going to believe what I read in the Bible today. You know, and I'm able to disciple them through that. But make sure that your kids know that you are in the word. So the time of day is not important. What's important is making that appointment and keeping it. Two, Allow God's word to shape your thoughts, attitudes, and actions. And sometimes we want to be like, oh, Jesus, help me. Or maybe I'm alone in that. <laughs> Especially when I'm driving in rush hour traffic. <laughs> My mission strip lady doesn't know what I'm talking about. Reading and meditating on God's word should be the top priority 
of every spiritual leader. Friends, God's word is alive. It's powerful. It helps us to give us his perspective and his wisdom. Without it, our thoughts, our actions and reactions, our attitudes, they can be influenced by our culture around us. Jesus, help us. It can be influenced by our emotions and our limited wisdom. Just reading God's word isn't enough, no, though. We must make time to hear from God. Don't make it a checklist. We must take time to hear from God and be willing to respond to his voice. I do this by asking myself questions during my Bible reading time, sometimes before and after. And some of the questions I ask is, I will put my hand on my Bible before I start reading it, and I'll ask God, is my heart clean before you? Is my heart clean? I'll ask the Holy Spirit to speak through his word and loud enough for me to hear, because sometimes (laughs) I'm not always well of hearing when I'm reading, right? Loud enough that I can hear. I ask the Holy Spirit to challenge my thoughts, my attitude, to challenge my actions, and, and tell me which ones are not pleasing to him. I ask God what he's teaching me about himself in the passage. When I'm reading, I'm looking for the character of God to be shown through everything that's going on. We can find God's character all throughout his word. And at the end of my Bible reading, you will always see, almost always, a character trait of God because we see him all throughout his word. And I don't know about you, but my best friend, I want to know their character in and out. And I want to know the character of God, who he is. I ask, according to this passage, What is God expecting from me? How can I apply this truth to my life? And lastly, do I need to repent or submit something to God? Next, as we spend time with God and we allow his word to change us, we will begin to be submissively aware of God's presence. And then godly living is an automatic response as we submissively allow the Holy Spirit to lead and direct our lives. Galatians 5.25 encourages us this way. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. He didn't say on Sunday. He didn't say on Wednesday. He didn't say just during or while we're leading up to a, a a women's event, he said, every part of our lives. Following the Holy Spirit takes discipline. It's not always easy. It's not always comfortable. (laughs) But he, the rewards of it are so worth it. And he will lead us and guide us in everything we do if we allow him. An effective spiritual leader trusts God's love even when we don't understand difficult situations or difficult circumstances. I know we have all been there in our life. And maybe we've walked through with some women around us some difficult circumstances. But a spiritual leader will trust God's love even when we don't understand. 
as we pursue God and know him better, we will grow in our ability to trust him. This trust is important to women who are ministering to women because it will help us to to stay grounded, one, and two, it will help us during those difficult times of leadership. It will help us to know um, how to lead as well. This trust allows us to endure and even thrive in those difficulties. And lastly, when we prioritize our time with God every single day, when we are, allow God's word to shape our thoughts, our actions, and our attitudes, when we live submissively aware of God's presence and we trust God's love, even when we don't understand in those hard circumstances, as we live these out, ministry will flow from it. As we meet with Jesus and we allow him to change us and we depend upon him, he is faithful to lead us to inspire us, and to direct us. When we make every effort to to be connected to him and to stay connected to him, we don't have to make spiritual leadership happen. It just does. It happens. And he will simply be able to work through you as you lead. So ladies, I want to encourage you. Give him your best yes in lead maybe you're maybe you're just here and you're like you know what yeah I kind of help out I'm not the leader of the women's in my church but I kind of help out but you can lead right where you at right where you're at you can lead in your family you can lead in your neighborhood in your community in your church lead and as you do these five there will be moments that you step back and you're like whoa what just came out of me what I just said There were times that we were on the missions trip and we would have conversations and I would walk away and I'd just say, thank you, Jesus, because I knew, oh, I am not that smart. I am not that spiritual. But what just came out of me was straight from heaven. That was a word for somebody, you know, and that wasn't something that I had to make happen. It just flowed You know, so give Jesus your best. Yes. We've looked at why ministry to women is important. Important. We have and looked at who should minister to women. Now let's look at what ministry to women is. Every single church is unique all across the state of Ohio. Every single church is different and unique. The community that they're in is different. And women's ministry can look different all across the state. And we could get lost in the weeds if we just threw something up and like, hey, let's just try this. I wouldn't fault you for it. I'd say, you go, girl. But we could get lost in the weeds. There is a better way to go about it. There's a three-dimensional approach that can help your church to create effective ministry to women. And it includes different levels of interaction. The first is one-to-one connections. Next is small groups and big events. No matter the size of your church, you can modify these to, to fit your congregation, to fit your church, and to fit your community and the women that you're ministering to. Let's look at the first one, one-to-one connections. 
Many women today are missing the benefit of healthy one-to-one connections. It's a missing piece in our society. And it's clear that we're that these type of connections are life-giving relationships and will grow emotionally and spiritually when we are in these one-to-one connections. As a leader, this can sometimes feel overwhelming because you cannot, as one person, be all things to all women. You cannot do this one-to-one connection with all the women. Maybe you're from a small church and you can, and bless the Lord for that. But you might not be able to do it. You might need to take the approach that Jesus did. And that is take a few women, bring them in, and have that one-to-one connection. Pour into them, and then ask them to turn around and do the same. Have them find a few women to have one-to-one connection. And then they will turn around and have one-to-one connection. If we continue to do this, I mean, think about how many women we could reach, right? There's a lot that happens when we are in this type of relationship. We also need to be intentional about helping women to understand and form healthy relationships. Women, ladies, we were created for this, yes. But we can mess it up real quick, right? We sure can. There are some hairy situations that have had some attitudes, some, some uh, you know, even can be judgmental thoughts, judgmental comments that can really harm. But if we learn how to have healthy relationships and as leaders, if we can teach those on our team and those in our ministries what these healthy relationships look like, we will be able to really flourish more. So there are five different types of relationships, and let me tell you the importance of them. First, we need to have women in our life with more experience than us. She can encourage us. She can provide wisdom. Come on. I mean, mercy goodness. I love to sit down and talk with somebody who's older, who's been there, who's done it. I might do it a little differently, right? But they've been there, they have done it. And I love to hear the stories that come from it. But grabbing onto their wisdom and applying their sound advice, we can just grow so much from that. Secondly, we need a peer-to-peer relationship. Our peers provide understanding, accountability, and companionship. I like to think about this as these are your friends that, you know, you are a complete buffoon around. These are the ones that you are having those full-blown belly laughs where you can't breathe. You're smacking each other because you're laughing so hard. You know what I'm saying? Or am I the only one that has these? Maybe. But they're the ones that bring satisfaction and enjoyment to our lives. Third, we need to have women with less experience than we have to help us stay in tune with culture and to keep us mindful of what God has already done in our lives and what he has already brought us through. These are the ones that are the, they keep you hip, right? So this is the Olivia, this is the Brenna. They're, they're the ones that teach you the cool words, what's hip right now, you know what I'm saying? But here's the thing that we have to remember. If we look 
at just our peers, if we look at just the women that are older than us, the ones with more experience who have been there, done that, and we don't listen and give space to these hip, new, young women, we're not going to reach them. We are not going to reach them. And they, they need us. They desperately need us. They need our understanding. They need our love. They need a loving guidance during the world today. And so keeping aware, keeping those young girls around you. Like when your, your daughter came in here. Oh, I just love when the young girls come up and want to talk to me. I'm like, come on. I'll take all of this I could get. You know, they make me cool. They keep me cool. At least I like to think they do. <laughs> They're probably like, oh, my word, she's so old. I don't think I did this now. Okay. But... <laughs> But really, really, they are the ones that you have to keep around you. So if you don't have a young woman who is in her late teens, early 20s, or even in their teens that's coming to your women's ministry stuff, start looking for her. Start praying for her. And when she comes, welcome her in with open arms, no matter what she looks like, no matter what she's bringing with her no matter what her language is like. Can we say that? Can we say it's okay? You know, because we are all on a journey, and they are on a journey, and they're learning. But if we're not there to guide them and lead them, who are they going to learn it from? Not the right place. Okay, I'm going to jump off that soapbox. Fourth, we need to be in relationship with women who need us. There are a lot of women who are not in our church, but yet they need us. Whether it's someone that has a physical need or an illness or, or someone who is suffering or in any way or just needs a helping hand. Maybe it's a widow. Maybe it's a single mom that you need to say, you know what, let me take those babies for an evening and you just go pamper yourself. Whoever that is, we need to reach out of our comfort zone. We need to reach outside of ourselves out of our own needs, away from our own needs. And when we do that, it will help us to develop a compassion. It will help us to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Five, we need to spend time with women who don't know Jesus yet. We need to be around them. These relationships, they give us the opportunity to share Jesus. And if we're not sharing Jesus, hang up your hat. Hang up your hat. I mean, that sounds a little harsh, but it's the truth. That is what we are called to do, is to seek the lost. That's what Jesus did, didn't he? The Bible says he left the 99 to find the one, right? We need to do the same. So sometimes it requires us to get into some really icky places. Sometimes it's, it's uncomfortable, Sometimes you're going to hear people saying things inside. You're like, oh, my lanta, I can't believe that just came out of her mouth. But bless the Lord anyway. Praise the Lord anyhow. <laughs> right? You love them right where they're at. It can be difficult. It can be heart-wrenching. 
But when you see that woman, that girl come to know Jesus, my lands, you better do a little dance. Even if it's in your own closet, do a little dance, all right? Because there is nothing like that. It brings such incredible joy and fulfillment. And you know the Great Commission. You're living it out. You're living it out. I have five minutes. Oh, Jesus, help me now. Okay, I'm going to talk really, really fast now, okay? Okay, next we're going to look at the third part of the 3D model, and I'm going to say it very, very fast. It's small groups. Small groups can provide so much fellowship for women it can, and mutual support for them as well, and it's a fast track of growth for women in your church. There's so many different types of women's groups that you can have, and I'll just hit these very quickly. There's fellowship groups. Those are ones that um, you're introducing people to the same stage of life. Maybe it's a senior's team, mothers of preschoolers. It can involve all generation. It can look like all kinds of things, but you're just getting together and having a good time. But through that, you will have encouragement, accountability, and, and um, care for one another. Next is a common interest group. And this gives women a chance to get together around a common hobby. Maybe it is knitting. Praise the Lord for that. Maybe it's exercising. Who knows? Or Bible journaling. But this is a non-threatening way to get women involved from the community. Prayer groups are a great option because Lord knows mamas can pray. Compassion groups are a chance for women to come together to meet the needs of the community. Okay, this is something we need to do. It gives a woman a chance to live a life on mission right where she is. A study group is a powerful way for us to dive into God's word and grow together. And a growth group is a discipleship group. And sometimes this can be issue related. So you might have a group that is um, post-abortion support. We need those. It might be a group on divorce or depression, anxiety. I mean, the list can go on, right? But many times this type of group will have a book that the group will go through and work through together. And the last part of the 3D design to ministering to women is big events. You can do this at the local level or you can let us do it for you. Every September, we have a women's conference that it's at Heartland. This year, it's at September 22nd and 23rd. And so I encourage you, if you don't have the finances, the time, the space, all of those things to do a big event in your church, come to ours. We do it for you. You just have to buy the ticket and show up and then sit back and receive, okay? But if it's something that you want to do and you're like, I don't know how to, I'm your girl. Call me. Call me. I will be there to help you. All right, let's get the last one very, very quickly. How do I minister to women? This is the easiest one and the hardest one. Write it down really big. Love. Love. A healthy ministry to women will be marked by love. Matthew 20 through 22, verses 37 through 40 says, Jesus gave us the greatest commandment. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. The first is, this is the first and the greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Loving God and loving others, that is what we are called to do. It's that simple and that hard sometimes. <laughs> because it isn't always easy. We think of love as an emotion, as a feeling, but it's not. It's an action. We are called to act 
in love, whether we feel like it or not. Whether you feel like it or not, it is what we are called to do. Putting love in action isn't always easy. It hurts sometimes. It's annoying sometimes. It's uncomfortable and frustrating. It can be downright dirty and smelly sometimes. Let's be honest. <laughs> but putting love in action is a command that we are to obey. And so go to the last one. I'm not going to go over it, but y'all take a picture of it because this is a resource that you can look up. Y'all can preach from this list, okay? Let me just say that. Give you complete per permission to do that because it's God's word. This is what God says about love and what we are to do. Wash one another's feet. Love one another. Be devoted to one another with loyalty and commitment and love. Live in harmony with one another, instruct one another, agree with one another, encourage one another, serve one another humbly in love, be kind and compassionate to one another, speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, bear with and forgive one another, spur one another on to love and good deeds, offer hospitality to one another, love one another deeply from the heart, don't grumble against one another. Clothe yourself with humility toward one another. Have fellowship with one another. But we're also told what not to do, what we shouldn't do to one another. Don't slander one another. Don't grumble against one another and stop passing judgment on one another. That's a lot of one another's, right? What's that say? We're together. We're together. We are to do this together. Loving God and loving others, it really is the main thing. And it is how we are to minister to the women around us. Now, I know I gave you guys a ton of information today. I really did. And I didn't give you much time to talk, so I'm sorry about that. But we have 15 minutes for questions. Oh, we got 15 minutes for questions. We can still talk. Okay. Oh, man, I thought I wasn't going to hear from anybody. Praise the Lord. I gave you a ton of information today, but I just want you to know that I am cheering for you. I am here for you. If you have questions, if you have um, need somebody to, to brainstorm with, you want somebody who you can just say, hey, do you think this is ridiculous? Do you think the younger generation would like this? I might not know, but I'll ask them. I've got them all around me at SEU. But I am here to resource you. I'm here to collaborate with you. I'm here to pray with you. I'm here to pray for you. I mean, you guys don't know this, but I do. I pray for you. I pray for you. I don't, some of you, I don't know your name. And so I might not call you out by name, but God knows who you are. And so I am praying for you. I'm cheering you on. I'm in your corner. So if you need me, you call me. Call me anytime. You can reach me here. You can email me. You know, if you want my cell phone number, I'm more than happy to give you my cell phone number. You can ask Chelsea. She texted me really late last night, and I, I happened to be up. So I called her right away. I said, let's pray, girl. Let's pray right now. And we did. But I am here for you. So let's do this. Let's minister to the women of Ohio. Can we go a little bit further and say, let's minister to the women and girls? 
of Ohio, because we shouldn't just stop at women, okay? We got a next generation of baby girls that are screaming, we need you. And it is our responsibility to pour into the women of our church and then ask them to turn around and pour into more women, but also ask them, find a young girl. Find a young girl in this church that you can mentor. And if you don't know how to do that, I am, I am so happy to give you some resources. We have a girls' ministry rep in here today. And you don't have to do girls' ministry as, as they have always done it, correct? We don't have to have all the patches, all the badges, and all these things, right? But we have to have ministry to the young girls in our church. Let's not leave them behind, okay? I have a quick question for you. Yes. Um, so let's look at the other side of that coin. What about the senior citizens in our church? Because they feel like they've been, you know, their service time is over now, and they feel not useful anymore, you know? Mm. And how can we spur our senior citizen group to be involved in our women's ministry, to come in, to welcome them in, let them know they are loved, and let them know that they are still vital. How can we do that? I, that is a wonderful question, an absolutely wonderful question. And you're right, there are plenty of seniors that are like, you know what, check time. They put their time clock, checked it, and they're, they've served their time, right? But I think allowing them to know and having that one-on-one -on -one connection with him to let them know you have so much to offer. I have so much to learn from you. So please give me all that you got. I will learn. And then giving them the space to do that. Sometimes you have to put, you know, with anybody that you're giving space to speak, you do have to put parameters up. Hey, you know what? I want to highlight what you told me when you had that one-on-one -on -one time with them. Can you, can you say that when all of us women are together? You've got about five minutes, but can you share what God did? You know, and giving them those spaces. And then as the leader, as they share, honoring them in front of everybody else. Showing them honor that is due, right? And encourage the women. Hey, you know what? This woman is a woman of God, and she is filled with wisdom. So let's not let this go to waste. Let's have some conversations. Ladies, you got some things happening in your life? This is, this is a woman that's going to pray for you. This is a woman that's going to listen to you. This is a woman that, that you can run to in those moments and trying to spur that relationship, but leading it with honor. Is probably it, I would say is the best, but that is a really good, really good question. Just a practical add-on to that: we find that a lot of older senior saints don't want to come out at night, so having things available during the day can be worked in to them as well. Yeah, that's really good. Really good. I was going to say on that um, the movie The War Room. I don't know if anyone else has seen it. Have like a women's and you know older women's like big group. Have them all watch the movie. And then ask them, like, hey, who can you get connected with? That's so good. That's so good. I also kind of, kind of sum a couple of things up. But I know, like, or curious if you have any tips on how to, like, merge a women's ministry and a mom's ministry that ends up 
accidentally separating a gap with those events, mm -hmm. I guess, kind of, where like there's a divide between the peer groups and then it's hard to pull them back together. So how do you? Yeah, kind of just all of it. Bring unity to the different groups that are meeting. So I would say by offering First of all, something that is going to bring everybody together, whether that be a women's night out or um, something at the church or, or time apart. Mm -hmm. But in those times, making sure that maybe you're planning the city, seating. Maybe you're planning, okay, these are my table leaders, but I want to make sure that I'm telling people. It, maybe it's even random. We've done it where at the office... Because sometimes uh, when you're working with people, you'll sit by those people that you work with, but we want to make sure everybody is together. And so we'll take stickers and put them in a basket, and you come and you pick your sticker out when you walk in, and that's the table that you sit at. You know, um, But in that, sometimes you could do like little conversation jars to get conversations happening. And when you put them in the, it's uncomfortable at first. And, you might even have to hit that on the head, like, hey, I know it's uncomfortable because you're not with your people. But guess what? We all love Jesus. And we're all God's people, so we're all going to be together. So learn somebody's name. Have a challenge out there. Have games that's going to make sure that you're cross-pollinating and making sure that they're having not just games but conversations that they'll begin to realize, hey, wait a minute. Yeah, we are separate groups, but we're also in this together. And you might even want to think about doing a, where they're all coming around something. So maybe I'll just use the Dream Center as an option, right? Where they're all coming around an issue together in your community that they can gather around, raise, whether that's raise funds, gather diapers, or um, do something for that. When we do things together, as you saw, you, you grow together. So does that answer your question? Okay. Don, did you have one? One thing I kind of was hearing in my spirit when the lady mentioned the um, older saints was like have a tea break and assign each saint, each older saint uh, to be the leader of the table. Mm -hmm. And then make it a vault where each person shares something about people. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. That's good. So just gleaning from them. And they really do have a lot of wisdom and they really do want to give it. But we have to give them the space to do it. Yeah. Just as we have to give the younger generation the space and, and hear what they're wanting and learning their cool words and go ahead and try and say them even if you say it wrong because they'll laugh at you. But guess what? They're going to remember that. Yeah, there's one now that's like W-Riz and L-Riz. It's a whole Riz thing. Um, this is just like an input from a young adult. Um, at my old church, I had so many women that poured into my life that has 
drastically changed my life. I was just talking to Danielle about this. I literally have like 100 plus spiritual mothers at my church. So your work does not go unseen. And every single person, every single woman who was born into my life has changed my life. So don't dismiss that. Your calling is to pour into these girls. And it has changed my life. And you will change other girls' lives. So don't hold back. Don't be afraid. We love you guys, and we love when you pour into us. It's important to us, and we see that as, you know, you guys pouring into the next future and our next generation, so. Come on. That was, like, the best affirmation we could receive. Thank you, Liv. Thank you. Any, and that's why she is my practice student. I love her. <laughs> Any other questions, comments? I'll pay you later. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking. <clears throat> Any other questions or comments? In the back. Um, we're, we're a small <coughs> church, and we have one elderly lady who, um, just like when just earlier, is in the going out at night, um, goes to bed quite early. Um, something that we just started doing, she did share that she was an intercessor and <clears throat> from my heart to want to start a prayer ministry at our church. So what we're doing is we're going to her house. We're wow. Oh, good. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Um, Linda Holt said in her church, she called it hard in hand. She paired up the girl with the senior saint, and if the parents are comfortable, they gave a photo of the girl to the senior saint. Every week they connected. How was your week? What can I pray for you? Um, on the birthday of the senior saint or the girl, they changed cards. And it was just something that every time... They met. It was someone's local. Yep. So many wants to say hello to me. Um, I, in my church, I've been there since I've been 16, and some of the senior saints still pick up 16. <laughs> 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 Peter, I have a shirt. <laughs> 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 I'm so proud. I'm so glad that you're still doing this. Now, yeah, I'm so proud. Um, but it, it matters. It matters. It matters, and it could change our world. It can change our communities. It can change our families and the next generation. So let me leave you with this, ladies. What you're doing matters. Don't take it lightly. Allow me to partner with you. Contact me. Email me. I am here to cheer you on. I am here to walk alongside you as you lead the women. You guys are the ones that are doing all the really hard work. So keep on. Don't stop. And if you get to that moment where you're just like, okay, I am really having a hard time here, you reach out to me. Don't worry. There's no, there's no thing that is too big that we can't, we can't talk through. And I will cheer you on. I will pray with you and pray for you. But y'all have another thing to go to. So be on your way, my friends. Thank you so much for coming and spending just a little bit of time with me today.